I also think the NFL needs to get rid of Please. What do you just play all day? No, just do with college. Have a modified college overtime. Start at midfield. Mr. Soccer wants to get rid of ties. Start at midfield. Just have a field goal kicking competition. Absolutely. Love it. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it would be maybe nicer if it's a longer period to have a better chance of getting out of there. I'm, I'm fine with ties. Okay. You're wrong, but okay. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. This is the Yak Sports Podcast, your Augusta County Sports Podcast. I'm Leland McRae. We have Joe Deck here like normal. Glad to have you in. And we have a lot to talk about between high school sports, college sports, NFL. We have TJ Eck as our guest this week. But let's jump into it. Hey, Joe, what's the Augusta County Sports fan talking about? Well, Leland, the talk of the town is Riverheads taking a beating uh, last week. You are Riverheads Gladiators. Uh, <laughs> 28 to nothing to East Rock. First time they were shut out since 2004, I believe. Yep. And 170 straight games of not being shut out. That's quite the streak. 2004 was the last time Riverheads wasn't a playoff team. I don't really think that correlation carries <laughs> uh, to this season because I think East Rock's really good. Now, I, I know I'm a Riverheads guy. I know you know, everybody knows what Riverheads is. I'm not anointing East Rock champion because they beat Riverheads, maybe champion of the Shenandoah, but not they're the best team ever just because they beat Riverheads. That's not, not a criteria. Riverheads loses games most years. Every year they've won a state championship, except that first one, they've lost a game. So on the Riverhead side of it, it's not the end of the world, but on the other side of it, East Rock might just be really good team and maybe not win the state title in 2A, but they might just be a really good team who was bigger, faster, stronger, and came in with a heck of a game plan and took care of the Gladiators. We're not used to seeing it, so that's why it's the talk of the town. But maybe that's just what happened. They got beat by a better team. Uh, well, you can call me Denny Green. I'll anoint him. Uh, they are the best team <laughs> in the Shandoah district. I'm ready to give them the district championship right now. Uh, and I think when it's all said and done, I think they are at the least in the state championship game. I don't know if they win it because I still think Appomattox will have something to say about that, but they will be in the state championship game. I think for me, my expectations take them to, they better be in the state playoffs. If you're, if you're this good, if, if you're that loaded everywhere. And I think I would have maybe said this before the season started before they beat Riverheads, that that should be their goal, making it to the state playoffs. It's, it's a place they haven't been before. They are loaded. They're just big and fast, and they beat you with the running game. Jawan Evans or Jaywan Evans is great, and then their quarterback Williams throws the heck out of the ball, and he's got Brown and a couple Kisslings to throw to. Really good team. And the defense is my biggest question up to this point. That's what I kept asking Cody Elliott and his mailbag for the DNR. That's what I kept talking about on the podcast on Friday nights when we're talking. Their defense shut out Riverheads. That's impressive. I don't care what their defense did before now. This machine that Riverheads has going, usually it doesn't get shut out in 170 straight games. East Rock does it. They're going to have a thumbs up for me in the defense department for the rest of the season, even if they have a little flub where, you know, they give up 20 to Wilson or, or something with gap. I'm going to trust that their defense can show up in the big moments. Yeah, we'll see Central here pretty soon, uh, you and I, and we'll get to see East Rock soon in person too. Um, I, I just, I'm not scared of central in terms of East rock. Uh, I, I think they're going to handle central because Central's very one dimensional, uh, based on what I saw last year. I know they have a lot of those guys returning. So unless they've thrown a new wrinkle into that scheme or in that playbook, 
Uh, I'm just not scared of Central if I'm East Rock. I, I think East Rock has the balanced attack, and their defense proved, as you said last week, their defense proved they're, they can shut the lights out and be one of the best defenses that anyone in this region is going to see. Yeah, and come in into a big game and handle speed and and handle a good coach team. You know, the thing about Central, I, I kind of agree with you. I think East Rock's better than Central. East Rock's definitely better than the Central team we saw last year. I think Central is going to be a problem for Riverheads again. I mean, they beat Riverheads last year by a couple scores. I, I'm If I'm a Riverheads fan, I'm looking at that game of, you know, you want to see improvement out of the team. You want to probably at least have a close game there to feel a little bit better about yourself. But, hey, Riverheads got beat by a couple touchdowns by Central last year, still went on to win the state title. That's the goal at Riverheads is what you do in November into December, not, you know, regular season championship. Sure, regular season district championship is something nice. It's another banner on the wall, but they're playing for state championships. If they if they lose a couple games on the way, that's fine. That's kind of normal process for them in the last – four state titles. So it, it'll just be interesting to see how we move forward. The other high school I want to talk about Fort defiance. We were at that game getting the big win and I, I, I picked Wilson I, and I, I admit that I was impressed with Fort defiance. They did a lot of good things. Their defense was all over the place and they didn't make any bonehead mistakes. And I don't know if we can say that for the other side of the field. No, uh, Wilson, I think there early on, Wilson was their own worst enemy. They kept turning the ball over, making bad penalties. Fort took advantage of that. They got a couple big plays that resulted in a couple of their touchdowns. But I, I thought the most impressive one was there in the second half when they had that long extended drive that ended in the end zone. Uh, that, to me, was like, okay, Fort Defiance is... I, I think before this week, we were thinking Fort Defiance is not bad. We wouldn't say they were good. We wouldn't even say they were average. We would say they're not bad. Now I'm willing to say they're at least average with the potential to be good, a, a good football team in this area. Uh, I would I would not be shocked if this team went six and four. And I think six and four, seven and three is good in this area uh, of high school football. And I, I think again, you know, you look at their schedule: Broadway, TA, Waynesboro. You're already three and one. Those are three games that I think Fort Defiance fans should be looking at saying, we can get those three wins. We can be six and four. We can be in the playoffs. Wilson, uh, this loss is going to hurt them because uh, it's going to be kind of a crapshoot now with the rest of their schedule, I think. on They're going to be, you're right, they're going to take drafts plays as that team on the line. Yeah. I'm not sure they can get over that line, though. We'll, we're, yeah, we'll I'm, see. I'm doubting it more. I agree with you. I'm doubting their playoff ability now. Seeing them lose that game and kind of the way they did, I agree with you. I think I kept saying they're going to substitute in for draft. They're going to kind of swap places. I think draft might be a little bit worse, but I don't. And I think Wilson's not quite up to that mark. So it'll be interesting to see how the playoffs line up there between the Shenandoah District and the Bull Run there in 2B to see who gets in there. But uh, yeah, it, uh, I think Wilson, I. <laughs> You know, they make these decisions to go for it on fourth down and, and decisions like that, and it just wasn't working out for them. And I don't think they have the horses it takes to do it. They don't have the running backs that can just lower their shoulder and run you over. And it escapes me what the kid's name was last year for Wilson. He could run some guys over. He could get a good play on third down. If it was third and three, fourth and three, he could run a guy over and get the first down. It was church, wasn't it? Uh, it wasn't church. Um, it was a kid. We saw him up in Harrisonburg. He played real well. Uh, I want to say, um, 
Xavier Black, but he's on defense now. I, I just his name's escaping me. But anyway, he was the kind of he just had that toughness that you'd expect to have in your backfield when you're going for it on fourth down. So even if he gets the ball or not, that's what the defense is worried about, that tough runner. And so they don't have that piece. They have a bunch of guys that will take some hits, but they want to get on the outside and run in green grass. You got to have a guy in the lower shoulder. They don't have that. So I, I think they're a four or five win team and we'll see uh we'll see what that gets them for the playoffs yeah um look we mentioned draft i think just briefly they lost 14 to 7 to page and i think draft maybe one and nine yeah it's getting scary there uh they have the one win i i i'm gonna give them a stonewall win i'm not oh yeah i forgot okay i I think they're two and eight and uh but I, i i see what you're saying and i kind of agree with you uh I don't see who else they're knocking off in the district. Page County needed to be one of those wins. You're not beating um, Loray, Gap. Uh, you already lost to Riverheads. You're not beating Lee. Um, yeah, you're definitely not beating East Rock. So, you know, where where's a third win coming from? So I think you'll beat Stonewall. But, man, it's it's just a big drop-off, and it's, it's hard to see. I like the untalent that we saw. I like some of the pieces we saw in the game that they did get their win, where they had some positives. But it it's not really headed the right direction at the moment. So they're having some growing pains. You'd like to find some games down the stretch for them where they're in it. And I'm just scared. We might not see that. Well, we liked what we saw against Waynesboro, but Waynesboro is a team that might not win a game period. Yeah, very, very true. And that's a, that's a great point And a great counter to that argument. You know, I'm usually the optimistic side of things and Mr. Positive, but I <laughs> liked some of those pieces. I liked what the quarterback was doing. Watkins. I liked what these young running runners were doing against in their first ever start again, their first varsity game, getting big carries at big moments and getting what they have to do. But I think we magnify that first, or I do that first half against Waynesboro. And then you really look at the stats, the second half, they had one series that they got denied on their two touchdowns. The second half were kickoffs. Yeah. I think I've just been over crediting Stewart's draft. I kept thinking they're going to, you know, three, maybe four wins, but it's, it's two and I don't see how they even, even can argue three. Yeah. Um, well, before we move on to college, Leland, uh, I'll toss it back over to you here and, uh, have you, I mean, what's been going on in volleyball Wilson getting a big well, rebound. Yeah, they're, they're rebounding. We talked about, you know, the big Fort Wilson game last week. Well, since then, both those teams have, have won. Fort has won. Wilson has won. Wilson did a good job you know, um, picking up other wins last week, but they have a tough schedule ahead of them. They're playing draft East Rock this week, and you got Fort and Gap next week. I mean, those are all teams that are going to put up a good fight. A lot of those district games, but that, you know, the rematch against Fort is going to be what everybody's talking about. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it next week. Looking at the Ford side of things, they're in district play fully. Um, and then that, you know, like I just said for Wilson, the rematch with, with Wilson, that's probably the toughest team they're going to face. They got the loss against Rockbridge, but have been playing well, including the win against Wilson since then. You're, you're just kind of eyeing that rematch against Rockbridge after when you're looking past the game with Wilson. So I think Fort Defiance really has a chance to go in the tournament and have some confidence moving forward. But at some point, they're going to have to have a, probably a postseason showdown with Rockbridge, and that's going to be tough. Yeah, I think that's going to be a, uh, exciting for, for folks in this area to be able to watch that. I think there's a lot of teams in this area, especially, you know, what you didn't talk about was Shando, a district side with Riverheads, who's off to a good start there. Um, but I think in the Valley district between Wilson and Ford, I think it's going to be exciting to see how far those two teams can go because unlike in football, I believe volleyball is like basketball. 
in the sense of postseason rules, two teams from each district go, and then two teams from each region can advance to uh, state playoffs. I believe so. I believe so. so. I believe those those re- those teams facing each other in the region championship mm-hmm. move on to the state playoffs, and and so that could give a good opportunity. But you know, you just worry if what if Fort gets the two losses against Rockbridge now that they've lost one and they're seated, you know fourth and then they get to see Rockbridge earlier or something like that and and Fort Defiance might very well be the second best team in the district and, and they have another chance to play them so we're writing a lot of history in before it happens but you know you just got to worry about that seeding before you get there but I think those are probably the two best teams in the region we'll have to see how that plays out and if if we're right um jumping over to the Shenandoah you know Riverheads is a pretty solid team they've they've lost to some good teams, but they're beating who they're supposed to beat. They have tough teams ahead. East Rock's a good team. Uh, Buffalo Gap, always the rivalry there. So I think the Shenandoah is going to shake out. I think Riverheads is going to be sitting in a pretty good position because they are going to go to that one uh, B region, and I think they have a lot of talent. And I think last year they they really went well in the playoffs, and I, I would expect them to go even deeper this year. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some college. There's not as much college as we want to talk about because of the the weather, which we all know everybody's probably sick of talking about radar and floodwaters. Hopefully everybody's all right after all this this rain. But let's focus on sports because that's what we're here to talk about. And, you know, Virginia Tech didn't play. They go down and they have their, you know, recruiting special down in Old Dominion this week. The only reason they're allowing this road game is because it's in 757 and they want all those Virginia Beach guys to know that Virginia Tech's going to come play in their backyard. Yeah, um, that's fine. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a good idea in my mind, but to me, and I I made my opinion well-known when, when, uh, when we'll talk to TJ Eck, but um, I, I think this is where JMU should be in FBS. And I think JMU complains that they can't get good teams to come uh, without sacrificing a home game. <laughs> so I, I think this is how you do that. I think you move up and make it worth their while. No FBS team is going to go to your stadium right now. But it's not happening. So either you schedule the North Dakota States, the South Dakota States, uh, teams like that, which, by the way, guess what? On the eastern side of the country, if they're not in the CAA, they're not worth playing right now. So uh, that's non-existent, too, for JMU. Um I'll save my opinion when we get to Jamie here in a minute, but (laughs) Virginia tech is going to go down there. They're going to slaughter old dominion. And if they don't, then heads should roll. Yeah. I would like to see uh, white people getting fired. Yes. (laughs) Fired scholarships taken away. That kind of, that kind of game. They beat old dominion, uh, 30 some last year. Uh, what was it? 38, nothing. I'd like to maybe just see a, a good solid blowout. Uh, that's what I would like to see just with not playing last week with the Duke game coming up and then the Notre Dame game after it, I'd like to see the offense just kind of move in at will against a team, the likes of ODU saw where their coach said, Hey, this team is better than we faced last year. And they're pretty good last year. I'd like to prove that coach, right. And then show them how great we are and, uh, show them why we're the best team in the state. That's what I'd really like to see. Let's talk about JMU since you already brought them up. They get their CAA opener uh, against William and Mary this week, a team we've already talked about when they played Tech. 3.30 game, nice afternoon game. Uh, I think JMU rolls this one. 
And like you've been saying, every podcast we've had where we've talked about JMU, they're just not going to get challenged much in this regular season. Maybe I think they go to Villanova or something like that. Or Villanova is probably the toughest team. But uh, outside of them, I just don't see who's really scary on the schedule. Yeah, Villanova, New Hampshire, maybe. Uh, People talk about Stony Brook. Look, I, I don't care about Stony Brook. Let me tell you, Stony Brook, you are not good. If you're listening to this and you are a fan of Stony Brook, <laughs> let me just be the first to tell you you're not good. And um, make sure you share it. If someone yeah, share it, share, share it with, with their coach, share Brooks it with their team. I don't care. <laughs> They're not good. I'm sorry. JMU is better than you. JMU is in a different class than you. Um, same goes for William and Mary. Uh, they're going to get housed in the CAA opener because it's going to be a blowout because JMU is probably too good for the FCS level. Shouldn't be there. Um, we, we and we can't say that every week though, but like at least people will be leaving. No, we can say it every week. Cause it's true. People will be leaving at halftime. No <laughs> students will be there in the fourth quarter. It's a JMU tradition and it'll happen again this week. But we act like they're Alabama and they're not quite to that point yet, but they are getting towards it where they're playing at that much higher of a level. That makes you think that it's just, the thing is one injury or something could really take away from JMU and cause a big problem. You know, a, an injury, at running back, an injury at quarterback could really change what happens the rest of the season. That's why they're not like Alabama. Alabama has two of the best quarterbacks in the nation on their roster right now. Alabama has running backs, you know, sitting on the sidelines, sitting down during the game, not even standing there, sitting there, ready to come in. That's the difference because, and it's a scholarship thing. It's the size of the school. It's the it's the level that allows them to have so many scholarships. That's the difference. Uh, quarterback, I would be more willing to agree. Running back, I, I don't. I agree with you there. Uh, I think it's plug and play. Maybe so. Maybe one running back going down wouldn't hurt. I don't want to find out. I want no, I don't either. But... And, and I want to see JMU at that level. I want to be talking to them the, about them the first weekend of January. I want to have Greg Medea on here, the first podcast of the new year, to talk about JMU being in the national championship. But it's going to be the playoffs before they really get challenged and you know, we're going to talk Even about then. it most weeks about who they're playing, but it's not going to be long conversations because it's going to be a lot of blowout last week and a blowout expected this week. Yeah. Uh, UVA did beat Ohio. I did actually watch <laughs> almost, oh my God. almost all of this Ohio. game. What is this? Um, the game didn't start off great. Uh, Ohio <laughs> spotted them 21. Uh, and look, I'll be honest. I like Frank Solich. I think he's a good coach. I think Ohio got a great coach in Frank Solich, and I can't believe that he's still there. He's been there for 17 years. Um, but 17 years. Yeah. Believe it or not. Wow. That was a quick 17 years. I know. Uh, <laughs> since he's left Nebraska basically. Wow. Um, but look, he made a really bad decision in my opinion of starting Nathan Rourke. This is the same Nathan Rourke that put them behind against Howard and they had to come back that he was two for eight against Howard. He opening the game against UVA, <laughs> Started the game, sack fumble. Then UVA, one play, touchdown. Then, But here's the other problem Ohio ran into, their defense. Couldn't tackle a soul. I could have scored a touchdown in the first quarter on them because they weren't tackling anyone. So it I, was just... I, I think it says a lot about us when we can, or at least you can, deeper analyze Ohio than you can UVA. That shows how much we really pay attention <laughs> to what happens at UVA. They're... We know their quarterback, and that's about it. We know they're maybe a little bit better. That's about it. Ohio, you're breaking down the second-string quarterback and how he should be in instead of the starter. Maxwell should be starting, yes. (laughs) Maxwell should have started that game. I think Maxwell probably could have won the game. Poppy White's pretty good at wide receiver for Ohio. But 
on the UVA side. Um, yes, let's talk about the UVA side. <laughs> look, I was pretty impressed with Zacchaeus. I, I, you know, that is a name I think Virginia Tech fans will be familiar with because he's got to be, I don't know, a 10th year senior, it seems like. Uh, he's been there quite a while, but he's got a lot of speed. He's a dangerous threat if you get him out in open space. Uh, bad news for UVA, you're not playing Ohio ever again this year, and I don't know how many more teams of that quality you're going to get. Maybe Liberty. Um, but even after the Ohio and Leland, I'm looking at that schedule going, yeesh, I don't know. Like, I don't think you're beating Duke. They got a lot of losses. I don't think you're beating Georgia Tech. You better beat North Carolina. Let's talk about the big game. I was looking so forward this weekend. Once Tech got uh, canceled, I was really just looking to focus on that 330 CBS game, LSU-Auburn, and it lived up to the hype. It was an incredible game. LSU kicked a game-winning field goal, and – uh LSU now opening a lot of eyes. They're undefeated. They beat Miami. They beat Auburn. And uh, they have a tough schedule ahead. But, you know, now they're that that other player in the SEC West. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens when they play Alabama. Yeah, and then all the teams got to say that. And Texas A&M's got to play them, too. And, and Texas A&M's been looking good. Uh, for your uniform talk, I know you like to go there. Texas A&M's uniforms this coming week look awesome. I haven't seen them. We'll send a link out. They look nice. But, you know, I think LSU with Orgeron, I was impressed. You know, I, I, I said, you know, this guy hasn't been the head coach in these hard spots. I want to see what he does. And I, he coached it right down the stretch. There was no uh, uncertainty. He really had it right. And they got where they needed to for that game-winning field goal and kicked it. It was a heck of a ball game. I love those 330 CBSs. That's, that's my favorite. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it because, unfortunately <laughs> – uh, I watched more of the Ohio game than I did of that game, but yeah, again, again, I think this will be a reoccurring theme on our podcast. You live a sad life, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to argue there coming up next. We got an interview with TJ Eck. Hopefully, uh, you know, a lot of people want to hear who this is that we keep seeing come on our TV every week. We're about to tell you, stick with us. Welcome back to the X Sports Podcast. We are now joined by TJ Eck of WHSD. He's the uh, newest anchor at WHSD for the sports coverage, and we want to thank TJ coming on here for us. Thank you for joining us. No problem. Love podcasts. I love this medium. Um, I listen to them all the time, so happy to be on one here as a guest. Well, we know you've only been on our screen for so many months, and obviously you were prepared when you showed up here, so talk about uh, your time leading up to coming to the Shenandoah Valley. Yeah, um, I, this is about my fifth year in the industry uh, of TV sportscasting. I spent my first four and a half years in the uh, state of Nebraska. Um, it was uh, an interesting time out there. I was not from the Midwest, so I moved out to Nebraska after graduating from Syracuse University with a master's degree um, in broadcast journalism. I got my undergraduate degree in communication from Juniata College. It's a Division three school in Pennsylvania, um, Bridgewater and Eastern Mennonite fans might be familiar with that name. We, we, we played those, those schools in some different sports. I played baseball, happened to play against both those teams. Um, but anyway, so I got out to Nebraska. I worked two and a half years in this small town called North Platte, Nebraska, in the western part of the state. Um, had a great time there. Covered a lot of high school athletics, some community college, junior college athletics. It was a lot of fun. Then I got a chance to move to Lincoln, Nebraska, which is the state capital. Um, covered the Huskers, Nebraska football, Nebraska basketball. Nebraska baseball, anything you can name, Nebraska volleyball, even the College World Series, which was up the road in Omaha, not too far away. That was a big thing over the summers. Um, 
But after two years was up there, it was kind of time to move on. All my family and friends lived back on the East Coast or in the Mid-Atlantic region um, and got this opportunity to, to move here to Harrisonburg in the Shenandoah Valley. And uh, it's been awesome so far and looking forward to, to a lot more uh, uh, time here and a lot more uh, events to cover here. Very excited about it, especially now that we're in the midst of football season. For sure. Talk a little bit more about your past. You know, you went to Syracuse. That's, uh, you know, an impressive uh, broadcast journalism school there. You know, talk about your time at Syracuse and uh, what you learned. I mean, the, the list of alum from there is plenty. Um, you know, all the big guys on TV seems like they've come from there. You know, talk about your time at Syracuse. Yeah, I was I was very lucky um, to, to have that opportunity. The master's program, it's only about 13 months. Um, they, they, they cram it in, and it's, it's intense. It's more like a job than you're really in school. Um, but, yeah, I had a great opportunity to go there. I'm a junior once I graduated with my bachelor's degree. And, yeah, it, it was awesome getting to walk in that new house building, which is the name of the school there for communications, and see the pictures of Mike Tirico, Bob Costas. Um, those are just a couple of the names name a few, but there's so many Syracuse people throughout the industry, even in the small markets like Harrisonburg. I've interacted with so many people that have, you know, a connection to Syracuse and, and either went there or they know someone who went there. Um, so it really is uh, one of the better schools for it, and I was fortunate enough to have that opportunity. Didn't know if I'd have it, uh, but when I got that acceptance letter, I was I was certainly celebrating because I knew it was a school that would set me up for some, some success in the future. Very cool. You know, what was your familiarity before you got to Harrisonburg? You said you played some of the local colleges here, but obviously, you know, probably working at, uh, in Harrisonburg wasn't on your mind at that point. But talk about your familiarity with the area before you came in here. And then, you know, how you've seen that transition now that you've been here, you know, did it meet expectations or is, are things different? Uh, but, you know, talk about you know, looking at the area before you got here. Yeah, it's funny. I actually grew up three and a half hours from here, but I knew little about the area. We did play at Bridgewater uh, my senior year at Juniata. I played baseball at Bridgewater, but I'll be honest, I had no clue really where it was. Just sweep the bus ride down, and then you're you're not paying attention on the bus ride home. Um, so when I first accepted the job and saw that Bridgewater was here, I was like, oh, I didn't realize that we were that close to Harrisonburg. Um, I knew a little bit about Harrisonburg, um, just the name because James Madison. Um, Athletics has been so good, and, and a, a friend of mine from high school, she actually played soccer at JMU, so I knew of the school a little bit, but still, that was about the extent. Um, that's all I knew about it. Uh, I had never been to Harrisonburg, um, aside from our trip to Bridgewater, but I, like I said, I didn't really know where we were, um, and so I didn't know much about it. We played Eastern Mennonite baseball, but we actually played them in Florida during our spring break trip, so I uh, didn't even know where they were from, but when I saw the name, I went, oh, we played them. I didn't know that. So I, I really came in here kind of blind to the area. I knew that obviously JMU was a big deal. Um, I knew you're going to have Virginia Tech fans. You're going to have UVA fans. You have some or West Virginia fans in the area as well um, with where our broadcast area reaches. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't know much about it, but it's been awesome. I couldn't, I couldn't ask for a better place to live. I live right in downtown Harrisonburg. It's an awesome little town to live in. Um, I'm a big history guy. I love the history of the Civil War, and that's a huge deal here. Um, you know, so I love getting to learn about that history and about this region and the, the impact it had in, you know, that time of our country. So it's been really cool to, to move here and learn a lot about the area and get to know about the area, especially the sports here, no matter what sport it is. That's what I love about the Virginia and this area is during football season, it's football. During basketball season, it's basketball. During baseball in the spring and baseball and softball, it's, it's those sports take, take the, 
take. You know, you're always in a really big deal where not one sport or one sports team rolls the whole year. You kind of have different things throughout the year because the fans are so passionate about each sport and each season. I really love that about this area. Okay, TJ. Well, um, I I went to JMU, so I, I follow JMU <laughs> kind of closely. Um, but their football team... Uh, let, let's talk about non-controversial stuff with the football team first um, before I introduce <laughs> you to the the big the big talking point at JMU uh, in terms of moving up or not. But uh, this year, JMU off to a hot start. They were very much in the game against NC State until the very end, and they've had two mm-hmm. pretty easy wins here in their non-conference play before they enter CAA play uh, next week. So, you mm-hmm. know, talk about the buzz around JMU football and uh, you know what you're what you're hearing around the JMU football camp. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, I that was another thing I knew a little bit about the area was you know the last couple of years. Even though I lived in Nebraska, you know you follow football every every level of it, and uh, you knew JMU was good. It's playing back to back national championships speaks for itself. And on my job interview here, um, you know, I had a chance to speak with the previous sports director, David DeGuzman, and he was planning for the trip to Frisco uh, when I interviewed for this job because for the second year in a row. And so I was like, man, this is a big deal. And I kind of knew that, but you don't really know it till you're in it. And it, it really is um, amazing to see how um, it may be an FCS or one AA school and people say that's a lower level and all that, but that doesn't seem that way when you when you're in the midst of it. This is a, a high quality, successful football program that you know people really really do get behind, and they might not be that FBS or Power Five school, but I'll tell you what, um, with Mike Houston running things the way I've seen this this program operate in the short time I've been here, this is as good and as successful successful of a sports program as I've ever been around, as well run as anyone I've ever been around from the outside, and so yeah, it. it it's really cool to see such a such a successful team, and and you know we're in a small area, we're in a small college town, um, but man, they are a big deal, and I, I've been really impressed with the fan support for them, and just kind of the level of play they have um, for for a school that might not get a lot of national notoriety. And so I now you know I'm sure you've heard about it uh, being in the area, or you will. Uh, as your time here progresses, but one of the debates that goes on is conference realignment in college sports. Mm-hmm. And then when that comes up, the debate then comes, if JMU gets an invite, should they go? You look at some of these other programs, mm-hmm. Appalachian State, Old Dominion, uh, now Liberty, some other schools that JMU is familiar with and likes to think they're on par with, uh, and they've made the jump, and they're making the jump now. Uh, Appalachia State has had pretty good success, in my opinion, at the FBS level. They had great success at the FCS level. When I see JMU hang with teams like NC State, and then, look, it was only one quarter of play, but they were up 17 nothing at the end of that first quarter, and I have a feeling it would have been another 73-7 type of game if they had finished that game against Norfolk State. And then, like I said, 73-7 this week against Robert Morris. Last year, JMU wasn't really tested until... The playoffs, and even then, the semifinal game was a blowout victory, and then they lost in the championship to North Dakota State. I just get the feeling maybe JMU is too big for the FCS and maybe needs to make that jump uh, to to ensure the quality of opponent at the football level at least is there. Uh, I know some of the other programs maybe don't want that or it won't affect them either way. I don't know, but... Um, in your short time here, and I'm not going to you know, hold you to a steadfast opinion here, but 
what is your opinion of, uh, I guess, I don't know how many people you've talked to at JMU about this issue or if it's even come up, but when you look at that stands in the first week uh, against Robert Morris, what was the attendance like? And I know Thursday night uh, was a weathered thing too, so that might have affected it, but was it full? Were they getting the people there for that Robert Morris type of opponent? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I I was I was pretty impressed with the with the uh, the fan showing on Thursday night, especially because it was changed two days before, and I'm sure there's a lot of people from out of town who would have loved to would have had plans to come Saturday and couldn't make it Thursday. So obviously, it wasn't as full as you would hope. I mean, every every stadium, every every program wants to see a sellout for every single game, so it wasn't quite that. But it was a pretty good showing, I thought, for a Thursday night, especially considering. A lot of the high school teams uh, moved their games to Thursday night as well. So you're, you probably lost out on a decent number of fans uh, just by the unfortunate uh, forecasting of the weather and having to prepare for that. Um, so in, in the student section, I thought was great, and that was the home opener, so that's kind of to be expected. But I thought they had some good uh, good fan support there. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those tricky questions because you know from the outside looking in, you wonder, oh, why don't they move up? They shouldn't. They're good enough. Uh, you know, they compete with NC State. They should be above this. Um, they should compete above this. Some people seem to think that. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to say, having only been here so little. I mean, they have dominated, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of teams at this FCS level, and I think that's uh, something to be said about the success of the program. Um, I think JMU and, and some other schools like North Dakota State, um, South Dakota State, Sam Houston State, um, I think they're kind of in another level than some of the other FCS schools. Whether that means a school like JMU should move up, I don't know. That's that's tough to say because um, do, do you are you going to have the same amount of success if if you move up and play in, in the ACC? Now I know that would be a huge jump, and no one would expect that. But just throwing it out there, um, it's possible. It's very possible. I mean, they hung with a pretty good ACC team. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's tough because then you got to balance the other sports that are involved as well with the basketball and baseball. Do they move up? Do they stay in a comp? And do they stay, you know, in the CAA? How does that all work? So it's one of those uh, discussions that I think the more and more JMU football has success, more and more people will want to have. Whether they actually make a move, I don't know. That that's that's to be seen. I had an interview with a. Uh, Jeff Bourne, the athletic director, at one point this summer, kind of asked him about that. You know, what are you, what are your thoughts on, you know, moving up and stuff like that? And he he said one of the things he said was that you know they like to be champions, um, and they have a great shot again to be champions again this year at the FCS level. Um, not saying they couldn't be champions at a different level. I, I don't mean to infer that, but I think they like where they're at and they know they can be very successful. And I think that's healthy for not just the football program but also all the other sports programs. But, yeah, I think it is something that fans and people on the outside maybe want to discuss more and more as things move along here if this football program continues to have the success. Because, I mean, you watch what they did the last two years, and then you watch them so far this year. Um, it doesn't seem like there's any slowing down. They lost that great senior class that uh, took them to back-to-back national championship games. But I'll tell you what, these new guys have stepped in and done a great job. I think it's a testament to Mike Houston and the program he's built. At JMU, that they they're they're like a, I, I refer to them as like a Clemson or, or an Alabama. They don't rebuild. They seem to just reload with talented players. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that discussion moves forward because um, they might have opportunities. I don't know that for a fact. I'm just saying it's possible that they could have those opportunities to move. But we'll just kind of have to see, uh, wait and see how things play out. Um, but I think JMU 
just from what I've witnessed, enjoys being in the CAA and likes where they're at right now. But you never know what the future could hold. Yeah, okay. And uh, let's go back to an even more local level with the high schools. Again, this is your first fall season here at, in the Harrisonburg area, but what have your impressions been at the high school level? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been good so far. Um, I come from covering football in the state of Nebraska where high school football is a big deal. It's very good. They have very good talent out there. Um, and I moved here, and you just never know what to expect. Um, and I have been really impressed, really, really uh, pleased with what I've seen just from the different players, the different coaches. Um, and, and, you know, I've had a chance to interact with a lot of the high school football coaches, and they, uh, every one of them is great. You know, you don't, you don't run into too many that are, uh, you know, give the media a hard time or anything like that. They all love the coverage, and it's, it's been a lot of fun to to enjoy some time with them. And, and I got here during basketball season this past uh, winter, and I was very pleasantly surprised um, to see the, the level of high school basketball talent, the scores, the, you know, the, the highlights that you get from these high school basketball games is really fun to see. Uh, so I think the high school sports in this area has been, has been really good. I had a chance to cover Page County winning a state baseball championship with a, a really talented team. Um, so it, it's been really cool to see that, you know, we might only have, 20 or so high schools in this area that we cover at WHSB, uh, but there is talent and there, there are state champion level level teams out there um, in every sport that I've covered so far. You know, come in here, you, you take on the end zone and that's kind of a staple for <laughs> Friday night for yeah. people in this area. And you put your handprint on it and, you know, a couple adjustments, but still a lot of the same features there, you know, talk about how fun it is on Friday nights you know, the, the rush of Friday nights of getting those videos in, putting them on TV and doing the show. Uh, just talk about the end zone. And, and also, you know, everybody around here knows all the hosts they've had from years. Where, you know, DeGuzman was the most recent. But, you know, going all the way back, uh, you know, uh, to old guys at WHSB, I'm sure you've heard about some of them. Um, so, you know, JJ, back, uh, back probably in the 90s. <laughs> you know, talk about the end yeah. zone and that property that you've taken on. Yeah, it was a... Uh... It was one of those things that once it was getting started here in the fall, it was anxious to get started, but also nervous to get started because you hear how everyone, when I would run into people all summer long, it was, you ready for end zone? You ready for end zone? Are you excited for end zone? Um, so I knew it was a big deal. And you feel a little pressure uh, when you anchor a show like that, but I couldn't be happier with how it had started here in the first couple of weeks. Um, and it is a great show. I, I come when I was growing up, uh, when I was younger, my brother was quarterback for a high school team and we would run home every night and, uh, and watch the, the football Friday show that was on back where I grew up. And so I know it's a big deal. I know people have their eyes tuned to it. I know it's a big, uh, a big thing for our station. And so I, I was very excited about it. Try to do as much prep work as I could for it. Um, uh, but it, it's it's been good so far, and I know it's had some great hosts in the past. David, I've watched some of his stuff. I mean, his stuff was phenomenal with what he did um, with that show. We've made a couple tweaks with, with the way we do it now, but we try to keep it pretty yeah. much the, the, the same show for the most part. Um, yeah, and some of the old, other guys who have worked here in the past, I know Damon Dillman has been here in the past. He yeah. now works in Charlottesville. Still work very closely with him, exchanging highlights. Uh, so, so he's been a good guy to bounce bounce things off of and jj everyone talks to me about jj davis from the past um, <laughs> and i actually never met jj but he, he he worked a little bit if i if i'm correct in nebraska as well um 
and we have some mutual oh, wow. connections. We have some mutual connections, and he has hit me up on Twitter a few times with comments about the show. So it's cool to see some some support from JJ. He's been, he was here a while ago, and I hear a lot of stories about JJ from Bob Corso because uh, those two worked work, uh, uh, hand in hand a lot back in the day. So uh, yeah, it's been cool, and uh, I'm just hoping to to keep a good thing good. You know. It's, you always feel pressure when it's <laughs> such a big show like that. Um, but I think we've done a good job so far. We're excited to continue growing it and making it better. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it's been fun so far. And, I mean, Friday night high school football, it's honestly for someone like me who used to be an athlete, it's, it's the adrenaline rush that I don't get anymore from playing sports. I certainly get it Friday nights running from game to game and trying to get highlights online at the last second. Uh, in the end, it usually looks pretty good, but people would – People would probably be amazed to see the, some of the stress that goes on behind the scenes, but you know it's all worth it um, in the end when you have a great product and, and people running. You run into people in the community and they give you compliments. That's, that's the cool thing about the job that we do is we get to see you know our work and people are judging it right away. Sometimes it's not always the best thing, you know, if they didn't. Like it. <laughs> but we're always getting pretty much instant feedback on our work, uh, which which is a really cool thing about our job, um, and, and I, I love it so far. Looking forward to. Some more episodes of the end zone. Unfortunately, this past week we had to uh, yeah. it because all the games were changed. Uh, but we're excited to get back after it this Friday. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna mention that we we need to get you back on air and uh, get this weather out of the way <laughs> so everybody can get back to their normal schedule. But yeah, we we've, we've enjoyed watching you on end zone. I know a lot of viewers have and and impressed with uh, the quality that you've been able to keep up here. So um, we want to thank you for coming on with us yeah. this week. We look forward to maybe hearing from you again down the road. And uh, we'll be watching you on the TV. Sounds good. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Anytime you need me, uh, I can come on in and talk about hopefully something half smart uh, when it comes to sports here in the Shenandoah Valley. But thanks for having me on again, and uh, uh, I appreciate the time. And looking forward to a lot more time covering football here in, in the area. Yeah, sounds great. Well, thanks for coming on. So we will be back with more of the X Sports Podcast. <laughs> And we are back here with the C Block on Yak Sports. Leland, let's talk a little pro sports now. Uh, let's start with the NFL because that's what everyone really wants to hear. Um, man, <laughs> the NFL had another tie. I know that they <laughs> never have ties, according to you, but they've managed to get another one. Uh, and, and really a game that shouldn't have even been a tie because that rough in the passer was terrible. Yeah, it was a controversial call down the stretch, and it, it's you just hate it to see a game decided because of something like that. They happen throughout a game. You just hate them in the in the final parts of a game where it can really just decide what comes out of it. But it's part of the game. We see it all the time. We see where referees mess it up. I mean, look what they did in Seattle a couple of years ago on a, the end of a Monday night football game where they completely flubbed it up. It happened. Yeah, that ended the officials' <laughs> strike. <laughs> Well, and I think this will cause a lot of attention to how that rule's being enforced, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes forward. But, yeah, another tie. I will say that I my mind was where, when I was in college, there wasn't really any ties. There was a tie in 2002, and I think a tie in 2008. So through to, from 2000 to 2011, there were two ties. So that's how I'm remembering ties. Recently, they've increased, and I think one of the reasons they've increased, especially this year, is they've cut overtime down from 15 minutes to 10 minutes citing a uh you know safety concern of you know getting them off the field but i think we're gonna see more ties and you're, you might you might have started winning this argument i might come over to your side that maybe we need to figure out a way not to have so many ties yeah it's 
man, I really wish there was like a level that had it perfect. Like each team gets the ball an equal number of times and they start at a certain yard line rather than time oriented. Man, if only there was something like maybe at the college level or the high school level. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know who they could model it off of. I mean, I know the sarcasm is coming through strong on my end. I just want to make sure the listeners at home know that how sarcastic you're being. Yeah, college has a system where both teams get the ball from a certain level, but they start in field goal range. I, they got to so start them at the going, 50. If you're going to do something like that, I agree. Start them at the 50, but then you're still one first down away from field goal range in the NFL. I mean, they're, they're pounding it through from way back there. I watched a game with Broncos in that mile high. Where <laughs> Not Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Cleveland. <laughs> but, you know, there's these situations where it, I I like that they changed the rule to where both teams at least get the ball if this field goal is kicked. I, But, like, these rules that are in the NFL, that didn't help these overtime. Like, they still have two ties in two weeks here. So because yeah, they didn't do what they should have and just made it started at the 50. If, if your defense stops them from getting a first down, they're not going to kick a field goal. And if your defense can't, then they deserve to at least give up three points. I hear you, but I still, I, I, I don't think college is perfect. I do not think that's perfect. Oh, it is. I, starting it further back, maybe start them at the other 40, just to make it a little bit harder to get into field goal range and make you actually have to do more than just one first down to be, you know, where you can take a shot at a field goal. I, I don't know. I don't have the perfect solution. I don't think they do either, and that's why we're sitting where we sit. I, I still would like to see the rest of the season go with no ties and then see if that's this is that big a deal. But next week when there's two ties uh, and you just call me in the middle of the second tie, then I don't know what I'll say then. But I'm, I'm coming towards your side. You're convincing me. We were a Cleveland Browns kicker away from two ties this week. Well, we're a Cleveland Browns kicker away from a lot of things in our lives. Uh, they're a kicker uh, away from being two and zero. If we're being, yeah, if we're being, yeah, really and honest. everybody's still calling for Baker Mayfield just because of the uh, uh the it's record. Not, Ty, it's not Tyrod's fault. Tyrod's playing, and last week wasn't perfect, but this week pretty good. And he had that night, that dime into the end zone from way out, and just dropped it right in where it needed to be. You leave Tyrod in there, but anyway, yeah. They, they are a, they're better than we think they are, and that goes back to my argument a couple weeks ago talking about them being a potential playoff team. I don't really think they are anymore because oh, these whoa. losses did happen or these non-wins did happen, but I think they're better, increasingly better than we think they are, and I think their record will start to show that as the season goes on. It just it's not showing it right now. You are who your record says you are. Is that another? Uh, is that another? That's uh, another Denny Green. Another Denny Green. I mean, this is going to be the Denny Green show for all I care. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see them do better this season. And as a Steelers fan, which we'll get to that right now, you know, Steelers are going to be starting to be really worried about Cleveland because Steelers are playing awful. They're playing with no urgency. Their defense sucks. And I, I don't know what I'm seeing from that football team. Ben Roethlisberger's aged 10 years in one summer. You know, maybe he, maybe he needs to stop threatening to retire and just go ahead and do it. I thought the offense was okay for the Steelers uh, this week. I just thought their defense couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes, who apparently is, you know, Johnny Nitus. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's out of great. The way, Tom Brady, Mahomes is here. You know, yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's out of Joe Montana. <laughs> it's going to even out at some point, but yeah, he's looking good now. But uh, I, my, the bigger thing I came away with, away with as a Steelers fan is, yeah, defense looked terrible. They got down twenty-one nothing. It just you can't have that. And the offense woke up, but even today, you know, this week there's drama with uh, talking about what uh, Brown's doing and he's 
he's spouting off with the mouth saying, uh, someone said that Ben makes Brown. And if without Ben Brown would be nothing. And Brown's like, trade me and we'll see like, just shut up guys. Love now, it. Now, trade him and we'll see. <laughs> you have zero wins. Shut your mouths, get down to business, take care of business. You got Tampa Bay next Monday. That's a game. And Tampa Bay's playing Dude. with a, with Fitzpatrick, who you don't see coming, a Harvard quarterback, and then post game looking like Conor McGregor out there. I, honestly, stuff. yeah, I you know I wasn't surprised to find out it was Deshaun Jackson stuff. But honestly, when I started that video, I was like, why does Conor McGregor have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers logo behind him? I honestly did think it was Conor McGregor for a split and second. The reason we knew it wasn't Conor is because he wasn't destroying everything on the podium <laughs> around him. But you know, Fitzpatrick, he's just he's a likable guy, and it's hard not to root for him, especially when the other quarterback that's out for suspension, I personally is not a very likable guy for me. So I was just like, yeah, Fitzpatrick, get it. And I hate they're playing my Steelers this week because I'm rooting for that guy. Question, if Ryan Fitzpatrick is undefeated, does Jameis Winston start? If he throws multiple touchdown passes this week, he's they're going to keep, they're going to ride him, man. They can't put Winston in until he falters. At some point he will, and they'll put him back in, but they got to ride him until he falters. I agree. I don't, I don't think Tampa Bay will do that, but I agree with your opinion of it. Well, I hope they do, and Winston, again, shows what quality human being he is, and then the decision might may be made easy for us. Mm. Let's Yikes. talk about your Ravens. Uh, they suck. Yeah. They suck. The offense was um, 2017-esque. Yeah, I sat down to watch this game on Thursday night, too, while you were texting me updates about the Riverheads East Rock game. Uh, and what was going to be my enjoying uh, adult beverage during the game turned into a... <laughs> need Misery. to get need need it to get through the game adult <laughs> beverage um man that first quarter was rough too uh yeah i don't know um the defense started to improve as the game wore on uh and i think there at the end they just got tired joe flacco's just not consistent enough that's been his biggest problem his whole career is his inconsistency the only time joe flacco's been really consistent was in the super bowl year uh in the playoffs outside of that He's been dicey. Uh, this week was no different. Uh, but yeah. he's got that big contract. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I I still understand why the Ravens did it. I still don't blame them for doing it. You had to re-sign him because yeah. if not, you're the Cleveland Browns. And so you you need competency <laughs> at the quarterback <laughs> they, position. Wait a minute, Joe. They are the Cleveland Browns. Don't don't mistake that. They are the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, but you become the Cleveland Browns <laughs> once again, like that talent level. Um, but you, you're paying for competency at the quarterback position in this league, and I, I think the Ravens did that. It was fine. Uh, unfortunately for them, they haven't had health be on their side too often. Uh, this week, you know, C.J. Mosley gets hurt, and the entire game turns around. Uh, that's my problem with the Ravens. It seems like if one guy goes down, there's zero depth or there's zero ability to adapt to adversity. And they they immediately go into panic mode and it's uh, it's like a fire's burning on top of their heads and they don't know what's going on. Um, yeah. And plus, here's the other thing. We never play the Bengals well. I don't know why. We cannot beat the Bengals. If we played the Bengals in the playoffs, the Bengals might finally get a win with Marvin Lewis. But uh, one of us always has to sit out, so uh, they're not going to get that opportunity. This year, I think we'll both be sitting out if last week's any indication. But the Ravens are going to have to figure it out, and they're going to have to figure it out quick because the Browns are improved. 
the Steelers appear to be down, so I would love to kick them while they're down and get a sweep there, but I don't know. I mean, right now it looks like two teams that can't figure it out. Those are the two teams you play after this week. You guys got Denver this week. You know, yeah, Denver, don't love that. Yeah, I mean that's they're a two and O team coming into Baltimore, and that you you could be one and two very easily. And I I, I think it's almost expected somewhat. I think Denver's pretty solid. The Bills win, much like the Florida State win for Virginia Tech, as means the season goes yeah. on, means nothing. What I mean, Florida State sucks. Willie McTaggart will get fired. Oh, they're terrible. They're terrible. Uh, let's talk about the skins. We know a lot of you listeners out there watch the Redskins. Kind mm. of a similar story as we're talking about the Ravens. Same thing can be said for a lot of Jets fans. Week one gave you a lot to think about, a lot to be positive about. Week two made you really question a lot of things. Talk about a team that's unwilling to really take a chance downfield, unwilling to you know throw the ball over 10 yards, and a defense that just didn't do enough. Yeah, defense didn't do enough. Offense couldn't capitalize, get in the end zone. And it's kind of disappointing. I think the Redskins still... Uh, man, you look around that division, I don't know. Oh, who's gonna, who is the team that's going to yeah. separate themselves in that division? The Eagles? I think, eh? I think that's, what you're, that's the lucky about the, the NFC The East Cowboys? Is, yeah. No. We both, the I think, Giants? the Eagles to win that division. And I just, I, I still think the Eagles will. There's a bunch of one-on-one teams and the terrible Giants. I, I agree. The Redskins can can rebound probably pretty easy here, but that that week gave you a lot to think about and a lot to question. And uh, you know, hopefully they get it turned around quickly. The Redskins uh, this week. Uh, I just unclicked it there. I believe it's the Packers. Uh, the Packers. I mean, that's a tough matchup though. The Packers, um, you know, aren't setting anything on fire here. But yeah, they have Green Bay in a one o'clock game, a home game. Um, you know, you got to get things right against the Packers and that's, that's something that's hard to really think is possible, but Hey, they played the Packers. They were tough before I actually went the year the Packers won the Super Bowl. We were at the game in, uh, FedEx when, uh, Green Bay lost that game to the Redskins. Maybe the Redskins can play them strong again here at home. Yeah. I mean, I think the Redskins can be fine again. It's just going to be <sighs> figure it out. I mean, that's kind of like with the Ravens figure it out. Now I, Wow, going to their ESPN page, I did see they just signed Perriman, uh, former Brashad Perriman, former Ravens first-round pick. Any Redskin fans that aren't familiar with Brashad Perriman and are curious as to what you're getting, you're getting a wide receiver who's great at doing everything but catching the ball, which is, of course, only a slight problem at the wide receiver position because that's kind of <laughs> the only thing you need to do. Also, it's he struggles with staying healthy. Yeah. yeah, he struggles with staying healthy, and he can't catch the ball. It's not a good combination. So... You're not getting much there. I'm going to assume without going into the details of that article that they probably didn't pay him all that much money. So it's probably a low risk, high reward kind of deal. What do you take away from the Jaguars pretty much controlling the Patriots? I take away that the Jaguars might be better than I thought. Yeah, I agree. I, it's a, such a one week league. You know, one week doesn't make your season. We, I said that last week. I think every Ravens, Jets and uh, Redskins fans learned that this week. You know, I think it, you just go week by week. You got to kind of look at four weeks before you really know what you are. But yeah, Jags look better than we thought. And before Let's, we move on to Major League Baseball, Elon, I just want to ask a question. Uh, which one of us won their Survivor League game this week? Yeah, I didn't. I took Houston uh, against <laughs> the Titans, and somehow yeah. the Titans won that game. 
You who'd you have? You had the Rams. Yeah, man. You got everybody pick against had the, the Cardinals. I was, trying, <laughs> I was trying to hold them until later. That was my strategy. How many people are left in that now? Two. Two. Me Two. and Dan. Does it keep going where we get points? Every I don't know. Week or? I, I'm I'm all for the people that have been eliminated to keep going and see how big you can get your streak. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep picking as long as there's something to pick. But yeah, I was I was hoping so because you're only a week or two away from joining me. So no, I'm gonna go <laughs> undefeated this year. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you're not gonna go undefeated through September. Let's talk about baseball. We haven't spent any time talking about baseball. You 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 have a great baseball podcast, 4D Sports. Talk about Valley League baseball. You talk about Major League baseball. Focus on the Orioles. Um, but let's talk about baseball because as October comes, we're going to be talking about more right here on the Axe Sports Podcast because we know that's what everybody wants to know what's happening and know our predictions for the postseason. Oakland Athletics look like they're going to make the wild card and looks like they're lined up to play in that one-game playoff with the Yankees. I mean, are they going to have a money ball reunion right before that game? Is like, is is uh, Brad Pitt going to come out and throw the first pitch for that kind of game? Since it's so, that was the basis of that movie, of the money ball movie, Oakland, the Yankees taking all their talent, that that thing, the money versus the no money. I, I, it's interesting that that could be the wild card game. The usual suspects there with Baltimore, Cleveland, and Houston, the, the recent usual suspects. But yeah, I think that wild card, one single game, that could be pretty interesting in the American League. It will be. Um, look, it's going to be an interesting one-game playoff. It, I think it's not a question of if Oakland makes the playoffs. It's a question of if Oakland hosts the wild card game or if New York hosts the wild card game. Yeah. Only a game and a half between them. Uh, likely starters, you know, you're thinking the teams will line it up because both of these teams appear to have enough, uh, cushion between them and anyone else to make sure they get in the playoffs. So they're going to line it up to where their aces are going to go. Oakland's ace this year is Sean Manea, uh, sitting at 12 and nine with a three, five, nine ERA. And then you go over to the Yankees. It's Luis Severino, 17 and 8, 3, 4, 6 ERA. Uh, so Yankees are, Yankees are getting healthy again. And that's a team a lot of a lot of people are going to go into the playoffs just expecting, hey, Yankees are going to win a bunch. They might not make it out of that first game. But if they do, you know, that could probably propel them and kind of get Cleveland, Houston, Boston kind of worried about things, you know, once October comes. I'm going to argue the opposite. I think the ceiling okay. for the Yankees is winning that game. I don't think the rest of their rotation behind Luis Severino is any good. And so I actually think where this game is played matters quite a bit. If it's in New York, I like the Yankees. If it's in Oakland, I like the A's because Oakland has a much deeper ballpark at O.co than Baby Gap Ballpark over there at Yankee Stadium where the right field fence is 200 feet and Little League uh, baseball players have to hit it further in uh, Williamsport than they do over at the Bronx because of the (laughs) The way they built that stadium. The reason I agree with you is that Jeter is not there to play in Oakland and do that backwards hand flip coming out of nowhere to make the game save and play there. That's the only reason Oakland would be favored at home. Let's look at the National League. Atlanta, you know, putting all that young talent together, getting up there to the top of the division. Chicago finally woke up this season and sitting in a decent spot there. Uh, A couple games up there in that division. And then Colorado out west, which, uh, you know, if I don't know if I've heard of anybody talk about Colorado this year. So they're that you know, under the radar team, the Royals, the Rangers of past seasons, teams that kind of, you know, made a run, uh, got in there and then can maybe make a run if, if they're able to do that. But looking at the wild card, it's a lot to be played for right there between Milwaukee, the Dodgers and St. Louis. And, uh, you know, St. Louis is a team, a, a perennial winner. The Dodgers probably expected to be leading that division out there. It looks like they're real tight with Colorado. Um, what do you think is going to happen there? Um, 
yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, the Dodgers and the Rockies, I think, is the race to watch. Uh, and then the loser of that, of course, is going to be competing with the Cardinals, as you mentioned. Uh, I think the Brewers are in, which I think is good for the underdog story. The Phillies have played their way out of the playoffs here down the stretch. They have totally collapsed on themselves like a dying star. Yeah, I mean, they're um, like about the same as the Nats, so you know how bad that is. Yeah, and so the Braves can kind of go on cruise control there. They have won the NL East. The Cubs will hold on in the NL Central. Look, it's hard to pick against the Dodgers with all the star players they have, but the Colorado Rockies have been pretty consistent this year, and I actually think the Rockies are going to win that division. Manny Machado, since being an L.A. Dodger, has actually not done that well. His numbers are not that good. And so because of that, I think you see the St. Louis Cardinals, who I think a lot of people thought maybe fired their coach too early in the year. Whatever it is, it's working. So maybe we should just let the St. Louis Cardinals do their thing because it's a well-run organization over there in St. Louis. I think they're going to make it. I think the Dodgers are going to be on the outside looking in this year. Uh, And that's, that's how I think the NL will turn out in terms of the playoff races. I mean, they'll play the games regardless of what I say, but yeah. (laughs) Well, that's good to know. Uh, You know that, uh, you know, Bob Malfred, I never say his name right, but the commissioner of the baseball and, and Hey, Rob Manfred Manfred and, C-League, even though he's not the uh, commissioner anymore, still has to be rooting. They have to be looking at this and saying, man, we hope we can get a Boston versus New York ALCS and an Atlanta versus Chicago NLCS. But what they're probably going to end up with is a uh, Houston and Colorado World Series. (laughs) Houston, Colorado would be... Major League Baseball's worst nightmare. Yes. Uh, maybe Oakland would be worse. I mean, they got but, a lot of a lot of top teams in there, but uh, they got to they got to do it. And I think a lot of years they look at that and probably at the end of September say, hey, it would be nice if it was this. And a lot of years we've been getting the Royals. We've been getting, you know, Cleveland uh, has gone deep. Uh, Houston last year, though, Houston, I think with the flooding and Verlander was a big name there. And those other guys kind of became stars in uh, October. I think that helped. But yeah, it was. Uh, it, I'm going to tell you, be tough. Major League Baseball is rooting for the Dodgers. Major League Baseball wants the Dodgers to get in, but over the Rockies, and then they want the Cardinals oh, yeah. to get in over the Rockies because yeah, Colorado is Colorado is a big minus for them. Yeah. Um, the Atlanta Braves returning to, to both. Yeah, yeah, the Braves returning to greatness is good because that's a team that has a national fan base because they yeah. are on TBS. So that's a win for Major League Baseball. The Cubs are a win for Major League Baseball. The Brewers are a cool underdog story, but Major League Baseball could care less. It's about the no. Cardinals and the Dodgers at this point. Both of them need to get in, and the Rockies need to be the odd dog out for Major League Baseball. I mean, baseball is where we've seen more underdogs, you know, make it to the championship, play deep. You know, we see the same people win NBA all the time, the same people win in the NFL all the time, particularly on the AFC side of things. Um, but baseball is where kind of Cinderella, you know, has the best attention. So uh, we'll see what happens. We'll talk a lot more about baseball as the season closes up in October. We talk about it all the time. We're big two, ba- we're two big baseball guys here. So we'll be talking about baseball. We haven't been ignoring it on purpose. It's just football gets going. It's hard to talk about anything else. When we get back here, we're going to talk about more about us and uh, tell you what we, uh, what's been dominating our lives and what we know that other people need to know when we come back. Back here on the Exports Podcast, the D Block, where we talk about us 
Joe, what's dominating your life? Uh, what's dominating my life right now, Leland, is Ozark, um, another Netflix show. Uh, I'm going to let you talk about the other Netflix show that you and I have actually spent most of the weekend talking about. But now that I've watched all of that, I'm now getting back into Ozark again. Started season two. Uh, it's a pretty good show. Uh, not family friendly. So be aware of that. But it's going to be a lot of that in this block right here. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is a good show. Jason Bateman uh, does well. And um Man, the actress's name is escaping me right now. But super... now, does Jason Bateman play the has it all together kind of smart ass kind of guy? Is that what he plays in this one? A little bit, yeah. Okay, so he plays the Jason Bateman character that he plays in everything. I mm-hmm. like Jason Bateman, but you don't get any diversity with him. I just want to see a one role where he doesn't have it all together. Okay. I just sometime in my life. That's fine. It's a good show. I'll watch it. Yeah. I, I like it. It's a good show. Okay. Recommendation there. I cut you off so bad, but now I'm going to Bojack because I want to talk about Bojack because it's so good. It's dominate my life. I watched the entire fifth, fifth season Mm -hmm. in this weekend. I I can't remember the last time I watched a whole season in three days. I love Bojack. It's, it's so much more than you think it is. It's you look at it and you think it's a stupid cartoon. You think it's a South park or a family guy. And while it does fill a void that I used to fill with family guide, it's so much better than Family Guy ever could, ever will, ever wanted to be. It's deep. It attacks real issues, sometimes in a smart-ass way, sometimes in a very direct way. And and then underlying all of it is the stupid humor of the animal jokes. You have, I mean, Bojack Horseman, he's a half-horse, half-human. Most people in the show are half-animal, half-human body, which upsets you on a couple of the characters. There's continual jokes throughout, just in the background. Sometimes you're you're listening to the people talk, and then you see in the background something hilarious happening with the animals. There was three blind mice running walking down the road. There, you know, like the the dog, one of the dog people walking and bumps into the person behind him and shakes its nose like a real dog does when it bites. It's so good, so well thought out. And then the fact that it is deep and does morally, while the character is completely flawed it always shows the moral higher ground and takes you in the right place. And, uh, it's so good. I love it. I laugh so hard at that show. Yeah. Bojack is really good. Um, and I, I can already tell I'm going to have to cut some other stuff so I can get my Bojack opinions in, but <laughs> yeah, like too. you, <laughs> like you, I also watched season five all the way through this weekend. Uh, lazy Sunday helped that happen. But, um, and the one animal joke scene that I don't know if you've noticed because you didn't say it, but when I saw it, I just lost it, is there is a scene in the background. There's a praying mantis talking to this guy in his car, and she's dumping salt on his head, and he gets this nervous look on his face, uh, which, of course, if you know anything about praying mantises, the female eats the male's head after <laughs> they do their business. Um, but, yeah, um, the only I miss that. I honestly miss that. And that's what's so great about that show. There's these layers that you can miss. So I, I really want to, since I watched this season so quickly, I want to go back and watch all five seasons. Oh, yeah. I know I've missed stuff. There's go finish your point. I want to tell about some specific episodes. So like you said, the, the only one that bothers me with the animals and human body is pickles. I don't know why, but she is a pug. Arm. She is but a pug. Her arms are human arms. The other arms at least are like fur Hers, I don't think, have fur. Like, I don't think it's on there. And so it creeps me out. Um, And you know what? Like, when you said most of the people on there are half animal, half human, I was thinking about it. 
I think the only person, only people. Well, no, now I'm thinking of no, like they show three or up. four. There's people throughout. There's people, people. All well, I, yeah, but most of them were celebrities was my point. And now I'm thinking of three or four that aren't, but they're fictional characters. But um, yeah, I, man, you hit it, though, with the deep issues. And this this weekend, I did power through season five because I was able to keep myself in a good mood. But it is a show like if you're having a bad day, it is not the show to watch to make yourself like laugh and feel better because it will hit a dark tone. Yeah, the last three seasons, episodes the last three laughing. seasons, you're like, oh, my gosh, that without spoiling anything, there is an episode, which is the entire episode is a eulogy and the entire yeah. time is cringeworthy. I am like, man, this is super dark. And but it's it not is what it is. And it's it, not it, until it the very, chances. very end of that episode where you laugh. Yeah. And the they end. take these chances. There's another episode I'll talk about in a second. But like. Uh, I I love the chances they take. They had an episode in another season where Bojack is underwater, and you know there's people fish underneath water. Bojack is a horse, so he he doesn't he has a uh, a glass bowl over his head basically, so he doesn't he can't communicate with anybody around him. The entire episode is silent. He can't speak. The main character of the show is followed through an entire episode, and he doesn't he isn't able to speak. It's an incredible episode. This the the changes they take are so great, and uh, I really recommend it for an adult audience. Um, if you've ever liked Family Guy, I think you'll love this. If you this haven't, is liked, so much better than Family. So Guy. So much better than Family Guy. I don't and, like Family Guy, and I love this. The thing I really like is the the issues they hit, and while some seasons they don't hit necessarily a current issue, you just you hit a very familiar life situation or life problem. This season is right on the the topics of today, not politics as much, but topics of today. And um, it's just really poignant how they go after things and uh, twist the story, use Bojack propelling good and also playing right into bad. And, and, and also the depth that they've had so many characters now, you know, it was just Bojack getting deep. Now all the characters are getting incredibly deep. It's just really enjoyable and it keeps on, it keeps on providing wins. Like you, you, you don't just get tired of it because something is getting better and better as it goes on. And again, we are talking about this more than any other D block issue we've ever talked about, but, um, so good. it is. And I don't want to give anything away in terms of what they talk about this season and what the issue is, but I will be honest with you, Leland, and you and I can talk about this later off air. There was a moment where I was like, you know, I never thought of it that way. And now uh, I get it. <laughs> I'll when they when they go air. to the interview, and we'll talk I'll, about it more off air. But I'll when they say have the that last five years, I probably adjusted my thoughts on it. Yeah. So. <laughs> when, when they when they go to that side by side interview, I was like, I get it. Yeah, it, so. it's a lot different. What I know that other people need to know is tech fans don't overlook Duke. Duke is a solidly coached team. They have some wins on the season in front of them that they can hang their hat on. They're nothing nothing spectacular, but solid wins against well coached programs. Don't look past Duke. Everybody's talking Notre Dame, that Duke night game here in two weeks at Duke, Cutcliffe coaching the other team. Watch out for it. That's all I'm saying. Don't overlook Duke. Yeah, don't overlook a team that beat Army, powerhouses as Army, Northwestern, Baylor, North Carolina Central this week. I mean, don't overlook the team that can handle those powerhouses. I just don't want them to add Virginia Tech to the list. They're not beating Virginia Tech. That's fine. What do you know that I need to know that's hopefully not soccer? Good news, bad news. 
<laughs> Good news. I did remember something this week. Bad news. It is soccer. Um, and after this, I'll give soccer a little bit of a break. Maybe uh, Liverpool has a huge Champions League game. The Champions League is different than the Premier League. I've been talking to you about Premier League, Leland. What you need to know is if you finish in the top three, you automatically qualify for the Champions League. If you finish fourth in the Premier League, then you go to a playoff to get into the Champions League. And the Champions League is the best teams from the leagues around Europe get together and have a cup competition. Liverpool's group is stacked this year. They start off with the one of the best teams in Europe in Paris Saint-Germain who is from France. They always seem to win the league in France. They are a top team. You're going to be familiar with some of the names on PSG, Leland. They have Neymar. They have Kylian Mbappe. So um, they have some guys that you're familiar with. I believe they have Giroud. Um, but Liverpool needs to get a win here. It's very important for them if they're going to be relevant in the Champions League to do well in this first game at Anfield. Anfield's bananas record the game it'll be on fox sports one on tuesday i think around 2 30 dvr the game and watch it you'll see the passion that these fans have for their club at liverpool that's one of the reasons i fell in love with them yeah i won't my twitter feed won't talk about it so i won't be in uh danger of having that spoiled for me but i want to thank everybody for listening make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss our future episodes follow on facebook and twitter interact with us Put some uh, hashtags out there. Make sure uh, you put in your two cents and argue with us. Both of us say so many wrong things throughout. Last episode, I we talked at length about Shane Beamer still coaching at Georgia. He coaches at Oklahoma. I know that. We need to get. We need to publicly be shamed for this kind of thing. I also called Coach Herman at Texas. Coach Houston. Coach Houston's at JMU. Coach Herman came from Houston. Yes, I caught that too. Frank Beamer but, also will be at Old Dominion and not wherever Oklahoma is playing. Whoever's can zine us the best after each episode, we'll get a call out. If we get made fun of just royally, I will. we will appreciate it. We can take a little bit of trash talk, throw it at us. But we want to thank you for listening. Follow us, subscribe, and listen back next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports Podcast. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.